Yeah, in that, you guys, you know, it's weird. Um, many times it happens every year for me, and I stop and I just remember that, that time really is a gift from God. The fact that we actually live in time, because time gives us this great gift called yesterday, right? And yesterday is something that has passed. And I know for me, one of the things I'm really trying to help myself remember is that I can't change yesterday. You just can't do it. And the greatest thing is, there's, so there's a yesterday, which is one great gift, because you don't have to always live in that, and you can keep moving on. And the other great gift that time gives us is tomorrow. And when you have tomorrow, then you always have the chance for hope. And the fact that, and here's the other thing, is you can't control tomorrow. <laughs> can't change yesterday, and you can't control tomorrow. And yet, they're amazing gifts for us to know that you can wake up. Like even the fact that tomorrow is going to be a new day. And for some reason, that gives us this sense that we can move on. And that's a, I just think that's a great gift that God gives us. And so, and again, every time we hit these, we got New Year's resolutions, right? Anybody got some New Year's resolutions? All right, we're, we're throwing those out the window, aren't we? We're bagging those things. You know, it's so funny because um, I don't have any either. So, hey, let's just do the same old thing one more time. What do you guys say? No, and, and, the, and it's funny because even if you haven't made any resolutions, the, the reality is you don't want to do the same old thing. I mean, the reason we do do them, when we do them, is because we really are saying, I know that there's something more. I know there's something more. Last year, whether it was good or bad, you can always look at the next year and go, but I know there's more. And usually if you want more, then you make a resolution. You say, I'm, I'm going to go get it. I'm going to go after it. And we also know that there's something better. There's something better than what I just had. And so we'll make resolutions to say, I'm going to experience those things. Okay, so as we go into this new year, um, one of my all-time favorite verses that just captured me uh, early on, like after I really gave my life to Jesus Christ and started to experience him in my life, I found this verse, John 10, 10. Isn't that great? 10, 10, too. Like perfect, perfect verse. And it simply says, Jesus said, I came so that you may have life and have it to the full. I came, what we just celebrated, all of Christmas that we just celebrated. Jesus says, I came so you could have life and so that you could have life to the full. And that's for me, I just know no matter what kind of year I've had or what kind of day I've had, I can always realize there's more. There's always more in Christ. There's always more and it's always better whatever he has for me. And so um, it's kind of interesting. I would say in the last few weeks, for some reason, um, a lot of different people have been asking me about our name. Like, why in the world did you come up with K2, the church? So, so people, how many of you guys do not know why we call ourselves K2? How many of you guys? Are, yeah. Okay. A lot of you. So um, here, the, here's why we, uh, there's two reasons. The first one was I was on staff at a church in Detroit for 13 years. And uh, the name of the church was called Kensington. And, uh, and so when, when we finally got this vision to, to come out here and plant this church, Kensington actually had, a, they still do, this grand vision to plant 40 multiplying churches by the year 2020, to plant these churches. And so Kensington actually fully supported our launch to move out here. And in, because of our relational connection, and I just, I love the people there, and I loved my 13 years there, we decided to go K 
two with the Kensington, the kind of their second move out into another place. So that's where, that's, that's half of it. But the other thing is, how many of you guys have heard of K2 the mountain? You guys know? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so I, I had heard about it, but I didn't know anything about it. And then I realized, I learned that K2 is the second highest mountain. Okay. It's not Mount Everest. It's the second highest, but it's the most difficult to climb. So um, Susie, who's kind of more into this stuff, you know, she's shared a few of these things with me, that if you go up, a lot of people have climbed Everest, some people have died, few people have climbed K2, and lots of them have died. So you got to be pretty much nuts to go and climb K2. And you want an adventure, you climb, well, I guess Everest would be a good adventure too, but, <laughs> but if you want to be a really adventure, you go K2. So anyway, we just said, you know what? Um, I know for me that a walk a living relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, has been nothing more than an adventure with me. And so when we went with this K2 theme, we just realized, man, that's the second reason we chose this thing. Because if you actually link your life with God, I'm, I'm telling you, you are going to experience so much more than you ever could have on your own. God, the creator of all things, supernatural. See, we have natural lives, and people can live pretty amazing natural lives. But you throw God into the mix, you guys, and it gets supernatural. So that's why we chose the name K2, for our relational connection with our home church back in Detroit, but also because we're saying if we'll link our lives with God, we will go on an adventure that we had never imagined. Now, uh, many of you have heard this illustration from me, but I can't not do it because every time I, I, I think about this value of ours, the thrill of following the Holy Spirit's direction, um, this is the first thing that hit me. How many of you guys like roller coasters? Any roller coaster lovers? All right, excellent. And how many of you hate them? All right, so it's usually about two-thirds to a third, okay? And uh, I, I hated roller coasters when I was a kid. And uh, when I was eight years old, we went out to Disneyland. We drove in the, the paneling side uh, station wagon. You guys remember those? <laughs> Packed seven of us in that thing and headed west and, and went to Disneyland. And my older brother and sister made me ride Space Mountain, okay? And just absolutely freaked me out. I don't know when it changed, but somewhere, probably getting into junior high, I got to the point where I loved roller coasters. And what I realized is there's really two different types of people. Those of you guys who hate them, like my dad, my mom made my dad ride a roller coaster once. And uh, she said that he got off and she looked over at him and he literally was just green in the face. And you guys are like that. You know, if someone drags you in to ride a roller coaster, you're standing in line and you're usually going, hey, why don't you guys just cut in head? And you know, you let other people in front and you go, I got to go to the bathroom and you'll do anything to not get on that roller coaster. And then when you get there in line, where do you sit? Where does a, where does a scared person sit? No, no, no. Right in the middle. Okay, you're right in the middle, and you sit in the middle, you take the seatbelt, and you squeeze it as tight as you can, you check the bar, right? And then you grab on for dear life, man. Your knuckles are white. You go click, 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 click up that thing, and you're hating every minute of it. You hit that hill, and it's just, ah! this blood-curdling scream. You hate it. You get off, and you say, I'm never doing that again. And then you've got the people who love them. I have friends uh, years ago, Cedar Point. Anybody ever heard of Cedar Point? Okay. Amazing amusement park back in Ohio. Whenever they had a new roller coaster, these two guys would camp out the night before to be the first people in the gate. And they'd punch their ticket and they would run, make a beeline for that roller coaster to make sure they were the first person in line. And where did they sit? Okay. You either sit in the front 
Or you sit in the back, right? Because then you're already flying by the time you go over the hill, right? You sit in, you sit in, you take the seatbelt, you loosen it as much as you can, right? So when you go over the hills, you fly out of your seat, right? You're going click, click, click. You got your hands up. You're looking back at the other guys. Oh, come on, man, get your hands up. You go over the hill and it's, whoa, man, you just, you love every minute of it. Every minute of it. And what I realize, you guys, is that is how many of us go through life. We've got half of us with our hand freaking out about the life that we're living, holding on for dear life, and the white knuckles are kind of a, 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 a really a symptom that just shows what's going on inside. We're full of anxiety, we're full of fear, we're full of so many things, and we're trying to make this thing work. And then you meet other people, and their hands are up in the air. And they're going through life, and we're both riding the same life. Now, everybody's got turns and twists and all the kind of stuff, and yet we can raise our hands and actually enjoy the ride. And, and for me, I do both. You know, I think most of us go, woo, right? You got one hand on the bar trying to control and then trying to trust God at the same time. It's, it's, it's so hard to live this type of life. In fact, it was so cool. We went down to a SeaWorld uh, last month in, in Detroit. Or no, that wouldn't be Detroit. That would be uh, Orlando. And uh, have you guys been on the Manta at SeaWorld? Anybody? Okay, this is awesome, you guys. On the Manta... You hop in this thing, and you step up, and you sit, and your feet dangle, okay? And then all of a sudden, it goes like this. And you literally ride the roller coaster hanging, upside, like this, so just like you're Superman. So you sit, you, you go, you put your hands out like this, and you just, you fly, and it's awesome. And you go up this thing, and the first hill you come down, as soon as you do that, you go, you're going to do a perfect 360, just hanging upside down. Now, isn't that awesome? <laughs> Dude, I mean, that, I'm telling you, the G-force, when you went on that thing, the G-force on your chest, I've never experienced anything like it. Every time I rode it, I'm like, yeah, I just, you just, you just love it. Now, now, can I ask you a question? Why in the world would you go like this, hanging uh, on, um, with, uh, with looking over the earth and do circles upside down? I mean, is that not nuts? Well, see, there's, there's only one reason I would do that. And that's because, man, when you get in, they go, bam, and they click this thing over side and they totally secure you so that you can just go for it. And see, you guys, I think what God is saying, there's a couple things with the adventure with God. The first one is once you know that God loves you, once you know that he believes in you, that he created you, that he knows what he's doing with your life, once you understand Jesus Christ and the fact that his amazing love would die on the cross for people who don't even like him, for people who don't love him, for people like me and like you, anybody else running from God? You know, I, I used to, see, I wasn't running, trying to find God. I was trying to run away from God and he just ran faster. And and once you realize that God's love is demonstrated in this, that when you could care less about him, you die for you. Then you just go, there's no way to lose that love. And once you know that, and you can put your hands out, and you can actually start to live a life of faith, which is what I want to talk to you about. Now, there's one other thing, because when, when, if you're going to consider what I'm going to teach you today, 
to literally live a life that will follow God, it is going to be an adventure. And um, I, the other uh, illustration for me, whenever I think about this, is from a movie. Anybody seen Parenthood? Okay. All right. For those of you who have, uh, this is a very interesting movie, but there's a great clip at the end. I know I want to watch this real quick. things sometimes are going to miss sometimes they won't sometimes they will sometimes they will what do you want me to give you guarantees these are kids not appliances life is messy i I hate messy It's, it's it's so messy you know when i was 19 grandpa took me on a roller coaster oh up down up down Oh, what a ride. What a great story. I always wanted to go again. You know, it was just interesting to me that a ride could make me so, so frightened, so scared, so sick, so, so excited and, and so thrilled all together. Some didn't like it. They went on the merry-go-round. That just goes around. Nothing. I like the roller coaster. You get more out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll be seeing you in the car. She's a very smart lady. Come on, Taylor, your ears are ready. Yeah, a minute ago I was really confused about life, and then Grandma came in with her wonderful and affecting roller coaster story, and now everything's great again. I happen to like the roller coaster, okay? As far as I'm concerned, your grandmother is brilliant. Come on, Taylor, come on, hurry up. Yeah, if she's so brilliant, how come she's sitting in our neighbor's car? <laughs> oh, I love it. You guys, this is where the other analogy fits in perfectly. Is we have people who love and hate roller coasters, and then we have lives where we literally are saying, you know what, I just want to be on the merry-go-round. And I, I just want to tell you, for me, I think that religion, okay, that religion is merry-go-round living. Now, one of the reasons I think that the church is not packed full of people every Sunday is because the church has really, really struggled to get their hands off the bar and quit controlling things. And when man tries to make rules and regulations and routines about how it is to follow God, then we start to follow our own things. And then, you know what? It just becomes this monotonous deal where you just come to church on Sunday and then you do whatever, maybe, maybe I don't know if you go to a Life Together group and you just, you just do this monotonous routine and you think, man, I'm following God. And in all honesty, it's like, no, it's, you're, just, you're just doing a routine. And I just want to tell you, there's no life 
There's no vibrancy. There's no supernatural power that happens when you just follow routine. Now, I'm not saying routine is wrong because we do it. It's, it's important to do things on a regular basis. It really is. But you do them to engage with God. See, that's like even quiet time. If you've, if you've hung around Christians at all, you'll hear them talk about quiet time. I use those terms too. There's this thing that says, as soon as you follow Christ, one of the things you need to do is you need to go spend some time with him. And so people will do quiet time and they'll read their Bible every day, which if you've been around me, I say, you've got to do this. But you don't read the Bible like you're on a merry-go-round. Okay, well, you read a Bible, you know, read a paragraph and go, hey, I did my religious duty for today and put it down and read a paragraph and put it down. No, you read the Bible so that you can engage with God so that when he speaks to you and when he moves your heart, when something new comes into your mind and you discover more about who he is, you actually follow him. See, that's the roller coaster. The roller coaster is when you actually say, I'm going to follow what I just read. I'm going to follow the promptings of the Spirit. I'm going to engage with a God who's alive. Same thing with here on Sunday morning. To come on Sunday morning and just to learn things is, is, is good. It's important. But everything that we do here, our heart's desire, and I say this a lot, I don't want to just tell you about him. I want to introduce you to him. I want you, my goal for me for 2011, my goal for K2 for 2011 is that all of us would have this experience of actually engaging with the living God and following him. Because when you follow God, you guys, then God's stuff gets done. <laughs> would anybody be interested in some God stuff getting done in your life, in your marriage, in your kids, in your workplace, in your own heart? See, this is the stuff for me. It's like, man, religion just makes me want to go skiing, you know? It really does. But knowing God is the greatest thrill that I've ever experienced in my life. And so you guys, so start off this year, we just want to say, imagine, imagine if every single one of us was actually experiencing the thrill of following the Holy Spirit. Imagine, what would that look like if every single one of us was following the Holy Spirit? Two, two things would happen. The first one is you would begin to discover the, God, the plan that God has for your life. You would begin to discover what God wants to do in you. And here's the other thing that just blows me away, is the Holy Spirit works in all of us for a purpose too. And if every single one of us in here was following God's leading in our life, it would somehow, in 2011, it would be in a way that we wouldn't even be able to imagine <laughs> It would be more than we could ask or imagine. But he would knit our lives together, give us a common vision, and start to use us together to do way more in this world than we could ever do by ourselves. And anybody who's ever been on a winning team, not like Michigan and Michigan State yesterday, but if you've ever been on a winning team when everything's gelled and you've come together, it's a great feeling. And that's why we wanted to start off 2011 with this value of saying, Lynn, let's imagine together what God would want to do through us, all right? So what does it take to follow? What does it take to follow God? Just a few things. The first one is it takes faith. I'm just going to list these and I'm going to hit them later. It takes faith. You have to believe some things that are true about God to be able to follow him. The second thing, 
and this is probably the toughest one, is it takes humility. It takes surrender. See, to follow, because basically what human beings have to decide is am I going to follow God or am I going to follow me? Usually. Usually the internal battle is who, who do we want to give control to? Do we want to give it to God or do we want to have control for ourselves? And that's why we ride the ride like this. Because we want it and we want him to do it. Or some of us just want our own life. But to follow God, you literally have to take your hands off the bar. And that takes amazing humility. And it takes a heart that surrenders to him and says, God, I'll do anything that you want me to do. And then the last one is it takes love. It takes love. You just got to love God. If you love him and if you've been loved by him so that you can love him, then that is when you will respond to him and he'll do what he asks you to do. So here's the first thing that we need to figure out is, is God leading? Okay, you can't follow somebody who's not leading, right? <laughs> I mean, the very term following. If we're going to say we value at K2 the church following God, then what that means is that God has to be leading. And this is where, this is one of the first things that all of you need to decide right here. And I'm telling you, if you believe that God is leading, it will completely change your life. And there's a lot of people who I think literally, again, this is where there's, well, you go to church and you learn things and you do some religious stuff and then God's happy with you. Well, really what he's saying is, no, I'm trying to have you engage with me. So we got to figure this out right now. Is he leading? And this is when it gets exciting, you guys, for 2011. See, every one of us has to decide right now on this day, is there something in the future of this year that God has for you? Or is this year just totally up to you? Do whatever you want. And let me just throw a couple verses at you. The first one is Jeremiah 29, 11. And this is kind of a classic verse that people use all the time. But it's, it's, it, it's uh, back in the Old Testament. And God is speaking to his people, Israel. Okay? And he's saying this to them. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And they're plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I know the plans I have for you. Now, on a side note, I just want to say sometimes what we do is God had plans for Israel and he was trying to help them to understand what they were. And sometimes we'll say, well, those same plans for Israel are the plans for me. Well, that's not the case. All I want you to understand from that verse right here is that God has plans. He does. And he has plans for you. And I believe that he has plans for me and for my marriage, for Susie, for my children. I believe he has plans for this church this year. And so the first thing that you have to decide, if you're going to experience what I believe God has for you this year, you have to nail this one down right now. Do you believe that God has plans for you? That's the first thing you got to figure out. Here's another verse to support that. Psalm 139, verse 16. And actually, let me, I'm going to read a couple verses before, he, uh, before we get to 16. He says this. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. So basically what the psalmist is getting to, you guys, is the reality that God was knitting you together in your mother's womb. Now look at verse 16. 
Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. See, this is another thing you got to decide. Do you believe this or not? One of the things that I believe so deeply based on scripture and from my own personal experience is there is no question, this whole value that we're talking about today, my life personally makes no sense if God didn't have plans for me and if he didn't ordain things for me before one of them came to be. Like, I'm telling you, and I've said this before, to be a pastor was by no way a dream of mine. Anybody else dream of being a pastor? You know, when you were in second grade and you had to go around and say, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? How many kids went, I want to be a pastor, you know? I mean, I want to be a football player, you know, a fireman. I, I mean, even when you were, I just, this was not my plan. I now understand that when he was knitting me together, I believe this with all my heart, that he was saying, David Michael Nelson, I'm giving you these gifts, this personality, this family, you're going to grow up in this place because I, am, I have a plan for you. And I'm telling you, because I believe that, that changes everything about how I live my life. Do you believe that all the days ordained for you were written in God's book before one of them came to be? That will change your life. Because if you don't believe that, then you're going to go do your own thing. You're going to figure out what you want to do, what job you should do, where you want to live, where you want to do things. You're the center of your own existence, and you run your life. And I'm telling you, Jesus came so that we would surrender our lives to the one who made them in the first place so that he could get them back in his hands where they rightfully belong so that he could actually do in you what you were created to do. Anybody want to do what you were created to do? I'm telling you, this is the thrill of following the Holy Spirit's direction. But the first thing that has to happen is you've got to believe that God has plans for you, that he's ordained your days before one of them came to be. If you don't believe that, then keep trying to figure out your life. Keep trying to figure it out. If you believe that, then the next thing you do is you surrender to it. Now, that's the hardest thing right there. The hardest thing right there is to say, God, here's my life. Take it and do what you want to do with it. In 2011, you guys, here's what's so great. If you lived 2010 on your own, did your own thing, it's a new year. Even, even like yesterday, what was yesterday? Saturday the 1st? Even yesterday, if you lived yesterday for yourself, today's a new day. And God's mercies are new every morning. And you can surrender again today and say, God, today, I want your will for my life. Do you guys know that God's will too? It says that his will is good and pleasing and perfect. How's that sound? Good, pleasing, and perfect. And if you surrender to it, you can find it. And that's thrilling. You guys, and then the last, the the other thing that moved for me with this is when you, because this is what God's done. If you open up this Bible, you guys, and read this, all you're going to find is every accountant here is God leading and people following or not following. And, and that's what the whole Bible is about. I mean, that's Abraham and that's Moses and that's Joshua 
And that's the prophets. These were men, and the reason they're in here is because when God said, hey, follow me and trust me, they did it. And then what did they see? They saw God do stuff that was supernatural. (laughs) They saw God move. And I think there's just way too many of us, me included, who are just seeing way too much natural stuff. (laughs) And when God wants to do something supernatural. And then the best follower of all, who, the best follower of anybody who ever walked this planet, of course, was Jesus. If you read the book of John over and over and over again, Jesus says, I do nothing on my own, but whatever the Father tells me to do, I do it. He says, the world must learn this. I love the Father, and I do exactly what he tells me to do. See, and then what he does is then he gives us this gift. And he says, you guys, when Jesus came down and he called his disciples, what did he say? What did he say? Follow me. <laughs> Follow me. See, at the core of all of you guys who are in here, who, who, if you're deciding, if you're not a Christian yet and you're wondering what this whole thing is about, this is what it's about. <laughs> and if you are, if you would raise your hand and say, I'm a Christ. In fact, lots of times I, Christian even nowadays has this really funky kind of, baggage with it. So I'll say now lots of times, I'm a Christ follower. (laughs) Do you guys know that's what a Christian is? See, if you're a Christian, it doesn't mean you go to church. It means you follow Christ. That's the heart and soul of what it is. John 10, 27, Jesus said this, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. They follow me. John 12, 25 and 26 says this, those who love their life in this world will lose it Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servant must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. See, you guys, I don't don't know um, what your, um, let's say this way, I'm not sure what your spiritual experience has been yet. I'm not sure what your religious experience has been yet, but I do know this, that all God wants from you, all he wants from you is your heart. He wants you to love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And Jesus said in in, in John 14, he says, and if you love me, then you'll do what I command and my Father will give you another counselor, the Holy Spirit, and he will be with you. So you guys, if you are not experiencing the living God wooing you and moving you and speaking and prompting you and convicting you, that's where the adventure lies of really living a life with God. And then his stuff gets done. So where is he going to lead us? God will lead you into some things. He will lead you into some things. God will also lead you out of things or come to call you out of some things. And he will always lead you into himself. He will always lead you into himself. Um, When I was in Israel back in 1990, I actually got to go to the Valley of the Shadow of Death. You guys have ever heard of the Valley of Shadow of Death? Um, It was so cool. We were standing there and it's this unbelievable crevice, just, just rocky cliffs. On, on both sides that just go straight down. And we're standing there, and our guide goes, hey, now look at the other side of that cliff. He goes, see all those lines on there? And you can see them. They're little paths all over there. And that's, I gave it away. They're little lines. And he says, you know what those are? And we're like, no, we don't know. And he said, they're paths. 
he goes, shepherds actually lead their sheep on those paths. I mean, and again, if you could, I don't know if you can picture this. We live in the mountains, but I mean, we're talking cliffs with paths on them. And he said, now there's mountain goats all over the place. And mountain goats live to climb these mountains. I mean, if you've got the feet, the ability to do it. And he said, there are bones all over the place of dead animals on the bottom of the valley of shadow of death. And he said, now, what do you think? Are they sheep bones or are they goat bones? He said, they're goat bones. Hey, you guys watch a sheep? I mean, you know how clumsy sheep are? I mean, sheep can do nothing, and they're dumb, right? Sheep are really stupid, and they're completely clumsy, and they're just kind of, you know, going like this. And yet you don't find sheep bones at the bottom. Why? Because they follow the shepherd. Now, you got goats, right? They're kind of cocky. They got this thing down. They're made for this. They can climb all over the thing. You watch them. They're running all over the place. And because they're not on pass, they slip and fall, and they find themselves down in the bottom of the valley of shadow of death. See, I love this because I feel like what God is saying to me for years now, Nelson, would you remember, I'm the shepherd and you're the sheep and you're stupid and you're clumsy. And if you try to do this thing on your own, as Jesus said, you lose your life. But man, if you'll surrender, control, put your hands up in the air, believe that I love you, Believe that I have plans for you. Believe that I can do more in you than you could ever ask or imagine according to my power that's at work within you. If you'll do that, then you'll follow me and you will find your life. And when you let Jesus take control, you guys, the other thing that happens is you start blessing other people too. Just, I think it was just two weeks ago, I woke up in the morning to have my quiet time <laughs> and I sat down and I started to open up the Bible and I started to pray. And as I prayed, you guys, I just, I don't know if, again, I, I went through some major spiritual battle in that morning. And by the time I was done, I felt like I was the biggest loser on the planet of this earth. I do, I go through these battles all the time where I feel inept at what I am, whether it's as this pastor of this church, as a teacher uh, here, or whether it's with my family or as a friend. I just, and next thing you know, I'm just beating the, I'm just beating the snot out of myself. Anybody ever go through that? You know, and I was doing it when I was supposed to be meeting with God. I'm like, forget that. I'm not doing quiet time anymore. I'm kidding. But, but, I, but I got done. Now here's the deal. So I go into my day and I'm completely struggling. Here I am. I'm trying to be a pastor all day and meet with people, meet with my staff. And it's mid-afternoon, and I get an email. And somebody in this church felt a prompting on that day to just send me an email and to say, hey, Dave. And then she just went off, and she just shared. And everything she shared with me was like a counterpunch to the lies that affected me that morning. I was actually meeting with Christian when the email came in, and I, I just, tears just hit my eyes. And they just started flowing down my face. And I just thought, you know what? Thank God for this person who was moved by the Spirit to send me an email. Changed my whole day. It was the warfare that I needed that I couldn't, I couldn't pick up my gloves and punch. You guys ever felt like that? And somebody came up behind me and went, bam, and punched him for me. See, this is what God wants to do with us, you guys. He wants to prompt us and move us. The other story that I love to share is that one time I was in California going to school, 
And all of a sudden, I came home, with, I think I had groceries, and I set them on the counter. This is no lie. And all of a sudden, this person, very dear to me, just, just totally became impressed on my heart. You guys ever experienced this? Like all of a sudden, somebody just gets impressed on your heart, and it was heavy. I felt really heavy and really dark. And I just start praying immediately. And after I got done praying, I, just, I picked up the phone, and I called them, and they didn't answer. And I could not get a hold of them for a week. Finally, a week later, I get a hold of them, and they're like, hey, how's it going? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. I said, really? I said, hey, I just got to let... This was so weird, because last week, I, you just got so impressed on my heart so heavily. And, and they said, well, when was that? And I told them the day. And then they said, what time? And I told them the time. And they said... And there was silence on the other line. And all of a sudden, they said, okay, I wasn't going to tell you, but right at that time, on that day, they were attempting a suicide. And they actually spent that week, you know, in, in getting some, some help and had just gotten out for me to talk to them. And I just sat there on the other line and I just said, you guys, see, for me, this is the stuff where you just all of a sudden go, there's a God who's alive. It's not about just going to church. It's the realization that somebody from on the other side of the country can be moved by God to pray for somebody else because he knows what's going on in our life. And when we start following these promptings and sending the encouraging email or speaking the truth to somebody or moving to Utah to start a church, you know, when you start doing what God is asking you to do and following him, he actually starts to become real and alive to you. And this is what's thrilling. And I just want to say, as for you and your life, for us as a church, I know this year, in 2011, that God has stuff that he wants to do through us. And I obviously, man, we're as screwed up as anybody else. That's why we say K2 is the church for the screwed up people. And, and, but what that means is we're trying to follow him. I want to tell you this. There is no staff meeting. There's no time when we don't gather together as a group of guys and, and work at the leadership of this church and say, you know what? We seek him. We believe with all of our hearts that he's the head of this church. And the head is the one who sends the messages to the body. And we're trying to say, God, what do you want to do this year? Because we know if we follow him, then his will gets done and not ours. And it's good and it's pleasing and it's perfect. And I believe that this year, he wants to do the same thing in you. And the same thing in you. Now, before I close, I, I do just want to say this as well. Lots of times what the Spirit does in us is um, there are just stuff, there's just stuff in our life that shouldn't be in our life. And um, in fact, uh, there's a verse in Hebrews that says, we need to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And we need to run the race marked out for us. And um, I just know for me personally that when, when you're doing something, and it might not even be sin, but it can be something in your life that's simply hindering you from really following Christ. It could be hindering you from fully living the life that you want, that he has for you. And, and you guys, it could be whatever it is that's causing you to hold on to control or to bring pleasure into your life. I don't know what it is, but I do know this, that if the Holy Spirit has been going, hey, hey, let it go. 
Get it out of your life. Surrender it. I know my selfish nature doesn't want to do it ever. And I know if I keep saying no to God and no to God and no to God, what happens is my sensitivity to the Spirit starts to get hard. And the next thing you know, you will be doing things and living in ways that you never wanted to do. Anybody ever been there? And I do think that New Year's is a great time to take a real good look at our hearts and say, where have I been saying no to God? And on this day to say, no more. Because guys, if there's something hindering you or if there's sin in your life that you know you've been in, you know it's not what God has for you and it's entangled you and you can't follow him, it doesn't just affect you. It affects every relationship around you. And ultimately, you guys, it affects us. I know that my personal walk with Jesus obviously completely affects you. Do you know that your walk with Christ affects me? See, people like to say, well, faith is a private matter. No, it's not. No, it's not. And when we stand before him, we're going to understand that, yes, I need to personally know Christ, but how I live it out affects everybody. And man, so if there's anything hindering you, if there's anything that's entangling you, I would say this is the best time of the year to say, you know what, I'm throwing it off. I'm throwing it off so I can run the race marked out for me. And the race for you is to say, I'm going to follow Christ. So as the band comes out, you guys, to give us a chance just right here to, to, to worship him, we want to give you the, the final moments of this service to be able to just sit before him right now and say, okay, God, I want the plan that you have for me. I want to start experiencing the days that you ordained for me. I don't want to run my own life anymore. I don't want to get entangled in stuff anymore. I want to follow you. And this song that we're going to do, it's a new one here at K2, but it's very simple. As Mike leads it, you're going to be able to get I heard this back at our church in Detroit, and man, it's, it's awesome. And it just simply says, I will follow, I will follow. And you guys, our worship right here, worship is not just singing songs. Your worship is this chance right now to sing with your heart to God, to declare in your heart right now, 2011 is going to be a year where I follow the shepherd where I follow the one who loves my soul, where I follow the one who wants to change the world by changing me. So let's stand together and let's worship our God.